Get out of your own way with Brittany A. Johnson is a weekly podcast where we learn all the ways we ourselves trip and stumble and get in our own way and what we can do to get out of it. Stay tuned. Anxiety, is that you? So if you've been paying attention to recent events in the United States, you will see that we've had an increase of reporting um, of police brutality and just general overall racism going on. And everybody is having a different response to it. Some are noticing that they're more hypervigilant, meaning that they're more on guard, or they're more worried about what else could happen and how dangerous it'll be for them and their family, while others are are finding themselves being completely succumb with anger. Um, and, and we know that underneath anger is fear, or and danger is also the word that comes up a lot when you think about anger. And so when you think about the things that we've been experiencing, it makes sense that so many of us are feeling these things and so many of us are having, you know, increased tension in our bodies. We're having an increased amount of stress show up. There's tension in our shoulders. So your people are noticing that they're, they're having back pain. Um, I'm hearing reports of people having an increased amount of nausea or just an upset stomach. And all of those things, really boil down to anxiety. And so when we think about anxiety, anxiety is our body's natural alert system, right? So it is designed, it's tied to your central nervous system. So I'm getting a little techie here, but if you know your central nervous system is connected to your uh, digestive system. So when you think in terms of that, then it makes sense that people have nervous stomachs, right? You hear people say, oh, I've got a nervous stomach or I've got a weak stomach. And so it's linked to that. So our bodies right now have been getting alerted at an increased rate because we've had so many instances of overt racism and police brutality and just violence in general in our communities. And we're already under an enormous amount of stress with being consumed with everything related to the virus and when we'll be able to return to some type of normal life or Will our jobs make us come back or will they let us stay home? You know, all of those things are circulating through people's minds. And so it makes sense that it has increased us feeling, you know, anxious. So let's dive into talking about anxiety today, because I think it's fitting with what a lot of people are experiencing. And then for some of us, we just experience anxiety on a normal basis. So I do want to put this disclaimer that this is informational. I am not diagnosing anyone during this podcast. I am not expecting anyone to use this information to be diagnosed. This is generally for an information only, but if you do notice that some of these symptoms sound familiar to you or things that you experience, I do encourage you to reach out to a licensed professional to explore this further. So let's dive into talking about anxiety and how it might be showing up for us right now in this space or in life in general. So anxiety is defined as feelings of worry, fear that interfere with your daily life. So when we talk about anxiety, again, as I already mentioned, 
it's tied to your central nervous system. So it's your body and brain's way of alerting each other that something is about to happen. The something could be good, the something could be bad. It's just an alert system. It's like having an internal alarm clock that just, or not an alarm clock, let's say an internal security system that alerts you every time something's coming. So if you have a dog and you have a home security system, then you're very familiar with how your dog can trip up the alarm system by just walking around, you know, during the day or at night. So anxiety is kind of similar to that when we think about it in terms of our body. So some of the common symptoms that people have, of course, are this excessive worrying, uh, thinking about things over and over again, replaying situations, replaying conversations, especially in after a social situation or going into one, just kind of replaying everything that has happened or could happen and being kind of fixated on that. Some other symptoms of anxiety are related to having stomach issues. So again, we I talked about earlier, you know, people having kind of this ups, upset stomach or having nausea. I've also met a lot of people, and I should mention that my professional specialty is anxiety. So when I work with most of the clients I work with, they come in because there's some type of anxiety or panic disorder that they're experiencing. So I meet a lot of clients who come in and they say things like, you know, I have irritable bowel syndrome or I've been to the doctor numerous times and they just can't seem to figure out what's going on. And so I start asking questions at that point about anxiety because that typically is what it is and it's just their, bo their body's having the physical symptoms so they go to the doctor and then once they rule out everything else, then they start looking at, oh, this could be just psychological. And so for that, that's when people have what we would call anxiety disorder. Additional symptoms are also related to fatigue. So constantly feeling like that they are tired and that they're just restless. You also hear people talk about restless leg syndrome. So that's also in the anxiety family. And so just this kind of general sense of like, you can't calm down. You're always kind of on edge. That can be anxiety. Excessive sweating is also a common symptom of anxiety, or sometimes that's a symptom that people don't necessarily link to anxiety because sweating can come with, with multiple things. But that is one that is actually a symptom of anxiety. Additional symptoms are what we talk about that hypervigilance. And so I kind of mentioned it earlier where, you know, after we've had these, you know, racist, racist incidents and these incidents of police brutality, a lot of us are reporting that we are on edge. So we're worried about the next thing happening. We're worried and thinking already about we need to be on guard. We need to be ready for this thing to happen. And so that's that hypervigilance. Credibility is another common symptom of anxiety. So again, feeling like you're on edge, feeling like everything's annoying you. You have little to no patience for things that you normally would have patience for. And then again, I've mentioned that restlessness. So those are some of the common symptoms and uncommon symptoms that people kind of show up in, in therapy offices for when they have anxiety. But you can also have these symptoms over brief situations. So in order for us to consider it a disorder, we would look for a pattern of these behaviors. But right now, it's very common that many of us are feeling symptoms of anxiety based on the current events, especially if you think about how we have you know, had to adapt to this new life of social distancing, being at home more. And while for some of us, it's really great for others, it has not been that smooth of a transition. It has not been that simple. And so that already has many of us kind of on this higher alert of like, what's coming next? What are we going to do next? What, what happens? Uh, and so that's something that definitely increases, you know, symptoms of anxiety, work stress, 
also does that. So if you are worried about work in this space, or if you are a person who has, you know, their job has cut hours, not completely terminated you, but just kind of cut hours, that can increase it. Having to go to work during the COVID process and knowing that you are potentially being, you know, subject to the illness, like that also are things that can increase the kind of symptoms of anxiety. So if we're going to get kind of technical for a moment, I want to go into the different types of anxiety that uh, people typically experience. So we have this, what we call generalized anxiety, which is, that is, if I could sum it up briefly, that would be, you kind of worry about everything all the time. So it's not just, I'm worried about being bit by a dog, or I'm worried about the social situation. It is literally, you are worried about any and everything that could possibly happen. And your mind is always going, and you just kind of get this sense of like, you don't have a break. So that's what we would consider generalized anxiety. And then we start looking at social anxiety. So that is specifically related to social settings. So many years ago, we didn't talk as much about social anxiety because it was kind of like, well, this is something everybody goes through. But now we're doing a lot more research on it and there's a lot more talk about people really have a hard time with social settings. There's, there's this thing about what am I going to say? Is, is it going to be perceived correctly? Are they going to like me? Am I going to make friends here? Like there's a lot that goes into thinking about social anxiety. And then for people who have this type of anxiety, when the event is over, three or four days later, they're still thinking about, did I say the right thing? They're still replaying the entire scenes and just reliving it all. So that can be completely debilitating for someone who wants to be social, wants to go and have a social life and have friends and be active, it can be really difficult if you spend the majority of your time before the event, during the event, and after the event worrying about how you're going to be perceived. Are you going to say the right things? Are you going to be enough to keep the conversation going? Are, you, are they going to be interested? So that's a, you know, that can be a lot for people. Then we start looking at phobias. So phobias can be anything, right? So you can have a needle phobia, dogs, um, all the way up to what we would call agoraphobia, which is this fear of leaving your home. And so I've noticed an increase of that type of anxiety after we have some of these racial and police brutality cases and situations. There's a lot of people who are just like, you know what, my safest place is just to be at home. Well, recently there was a shooting where a young lady was killed in her home. And so now for people who that was their safety net, now they're feeling a little bit afraid and not sure what to do because now my home is not safe. So then we, you know, so that's what we would call phobias. And again, phobias can be in a very wide range. And this is not just like, oh, I just don't like spiders because I just don't like spiders. This is where you have a, a real legit debilitating fear of this, of this thing happening or being around you. So then the next thing we talk about is panic disorders. So those are people who have panic attacks or anxiety attacks. And a lot of people show up at the hospital thinking that they're having a heart attack and then learn that it was a panic attack because they do look similar. You lose your breath, your chest is hurting, your limbs start to go numb, you're sweating. You know, all of these things are happening that look and, and feel identical to a heart attack. And so definitely if you're having those type of symptoms and you're not sure, please still seek medical attention first to make sure that it isn't a heart attack. And then if it is panic disorder, you can find someone like myself or other therapists who can help you with that. And then last, or sorry, not lastly, next is what we call OCD. 
So uh, lots of people think that they have OCD because they like their house to be clean and they like things to be in certain order. Well, for something to truly be OCD, it is an obsessive compulsive disorder. So you are obsessively compulsing over compulsively thinking about this situation or this ritual that you must do in order to stay safe, in order to stay alive, in order just to maintain stability. And a lot of people don't really understand that for someone who has OCD, if they don't complete their ritual, there is a real perceived threat of on their life in their minds. And you cannot tell them that it's just simply not there. So there's a lot of people who like clean homes. That does not mean you have OCD. We would start looking at it being OCD if you, again, can't do anything else but make sure your house is clean. And so that's what we call OCD. And then lastly is, is PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And many people, in my opinion, are walking around with symptoms of PTSD because we are constantly flooded with violent images. We're constantly flooded with uh, inabilities and, and instabilities and fear and just different things that can that cause PTSD. So I'd like to think about PTSD being the disorder that happens after the traumatic event. So the traumatic event has happened and here you are a few months down the road and you still are triggered by the event or, or events because it's not necessarily just one thing. So that's when we start looking at it being PTSD. And so those are the general topics related to anxiety. Um, but I definitely want to make sure that we get into thinking about how it shows up in our lives. So I've given you kind of the textbook clinical definition and examples of anxiety. But let's talk for a minute about life in real life and what it looks like. So for a lot of people, anxiety looks like they wake up in the morning and they are already thinking about two weeks down the road on what they need to be doing and what tasks they need to complete. And for other people, it is constantly being flooded with images and thoughts that are very intrusive about what you haven't gotten done and what you still need to get done and where you need to be moving and doing something different. And when, you know, and I've used this example for other people to explain anxiety is like running on a treadmill with your suitcases in your hands and you've got a cup of coffee also in your hand, you're trying not to spill anything and you're trying to get to the treadmill that's four treadmills down from you, all within like a two minute period. So that is typically what the best way I can describe anxiety for someone who doesn't live with it. And so it is very exhausting. And so it's common for people who have anxiety to always talk about being tired and always talk about not being able to get things done that they want to because they just don't have enough time. And the people looking at them can't see these physical signs of anxiety. So they have no idea that while this person looks like they're calm and collect and just chilling, they're actually having a full conversation in their mind. They're already thinking about things a month or two down the road. They're already planning for different things and they can just never turn it off. Well, having things like anxiety or symptoms of anxiety, let me be clear and say that because you can have symptoms of anxiety and it'd be because of a temporary situation, right? So you've got a test coming up, so you're really worried about this test, or you've got an event coming up and you're really worried about this event. But once those things go away, there also goes the, the symptoms of anxiety. So things like that do happen for us. And so I wanna make sure that I'm clear that this doesn't mean you have anxiety disorder, you're just having symptoms of anxiety. The other thing that comes up commonly when we start talking about anxiety 
And even when I talk about sabotage is this idea of procrastination. So there are a lot of people who talk about they have these ideas, they have these goals, they have these things that they're already been thinking about because they've spent all day planning out events for a month and a half, but then they never actually go implement any of the things that they need to do to make sure that that thing comes to fruition. That's what we would consider and call procrastination. So that is that waiting, not getting things done simply because you're overwhelmed or you're just like, oh, I'll get to it later. And so what I want to share with you is that oftentimes that comes right in line and is almost like a cousin of anxiety. So what do you do for all these things? How do you, what do we start to do? Because we all live with things like this. We are all guilty of having moments where we procrastinate or moments where we're anxious. So what do we do? So my number one go-to is always breathing because it is impossible to have anxiety or panic or procrastination or fear or any of those other emotions. It's impossible to have it in a calm body. And so I heard that quote years ago. And of course, you all know me by now to know, like I'm always trying to test out somebody else's theory to see like, is it true? Is it gonna work? And so of course I tested it out. And once I started doing my favorite thing, which is deep breathing, and there's different ways you can do deep breathing. You can Google them. I'm a simple girl. So I just like to do the simple inhale for four, exhale for five. That is my that is my go-to with deep breathing. But there are so many other ways that you can also do deep breathing. So Google some if you want some additional ones. But so deep breathing is always my go-to. So as I sat there and was doing this deep breathing and this mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, because that's also a thing that helps with anxiety and procrastination and fear and all those things is just being really grounded and centered back into you and back into the world. And so once I started doing that, I noticed instantly it was impossible to have any type of negative emotion while my body was calm. So then it became this thing of, well, how do I keep my body calm? How do you keep your body calm? So again, deep breathing is your go-to. Mindfulness is a practice that can be difficult or it can be easy. And mindfulness simply just means that you are going to be present in the moment. So as your mind starts to wander, you're going to gently bring your mind back to whatever you need to be focusing on. So if it's the task of the day, if it's the agenda for the day, then you're just bringing your mind back to it. As it wanders again, you just simply bring it back to center again. So that's how you practice that mindfulness. And then the other thing that you can start doing is also in your morning routine, go ahead and think about what are the tasks I need to get done today. Not the task for the week, but this the task for today. And if you need to do a weekly planner, which weekly planners are great, monthly planners are great, go ahead and do that on a weekend when you have more time. So go ahead and at that moment, write down the things that you need to do for the day and for the week. So again, if you can be planful, it can definitely help with those symptoms of anxiety that come around being worried about what's coming and what needs to be done. If you are having those intrusive thoughts, then it's definitely helpful to start putting some things in place to manage those thoughts. So one of my favorite things to do is really start asking yourself what logically can be the solution here. And if the thoughts are just completely doing too much, then definitely, again, that mindfulness of being able to say, you know what, I need to focus on this present and there's not anything I can do with that thought right now. So I have to push that out until I can deal with it later. So those are some quick things that you can start to implement if you live with anxiety or symptoms of anxiety or if you are a procrastinator. Those are the things that can be helpful. The other thing that's helpful, especially for procrastination 
is give yourself a legitimate deadline. If you know you have a week to get something done, go ahead and give yourself some deadlines each day to get something towards that goal done so that you're not finding yourself really trying to wait to the last minute to cram everything in. And then here comes all these feelings of panic because now you're rushing. So now you've triggered your brain and your body to go into that alert status. And now you've got to do extra work to bring yourself back down. So be proactive as much as you possibly can. And so I know this was kind of a different topic this week than I've been bringing, but I definitely thought it was important to talk about how our bodies are reacting to some of this increased stress that we are all experiencing due to just where we are in life, due to police brutality and racism and all the other things that are kind of plaguing us as a nation right now. So let me know what you think and you all have a good day.